Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, in particular chapter 1 and verse number 12. Verse number 1 and verse number chapter 1 and verse number 12. It reads this way. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Has helped to spread the good news. Now, subject today is making the most of unfavorable circumstances. Making the most of unfavorable circumstances. It appears that in his letter to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul reveals more of his philosophy concerning trouble. Needless to say, he he was a remarkable man, but probably one of his greatest qualities that he was a master of the art of living. Here he is in a prison dungeon writing to a people in better shape than he is and writing them concerning them having joy. Paul is well acquainted with the power and the nature of joy. Let me ask you today, what, what are your goals in life? What do you spend your time and energy seeking to accomplish? What are your ambitions in life? And what do you labor to do in life? Christians are called to be good workers, faithful workers. They are called upon to do the best job they can. And yet Christians are not to work for status, for riches, for selfish ambitions. Our work is to be a necessity, not the main priority. As Christians, we can work and should work, but we need to have the proper perspective concerning our work. Now, working for the world may get you fortune, fame, popularity, and the praise of men but it will get you distance, division, a lack of fulfillment, 
no peace and no joy from the Father. Working for the word will get you ridicule. We'll get you resistance. We'll get you persecution. We'll get you problems, mistreatment, distress, the criticism of men. But it will get you blessings, fulfillment, praise, and purpose from the Father. So the question that immediately that we face today is are we working for the world or are we working for the word? Many people spend their whole life laboring and sweating and toiling and never getting ahead, never being satisfied. Many church folk are frustrated in life because their life has no meaning nor purpose, all because they have traded the eternal for the temporal, yes, sir. Yes, sir. the lasting for the perishing. Yes. Yes. The church needs to get busy working for the word. One writer suggests that the church needs to go on an excuse fast. Amen. Paul, Paul reveals the results, the resistance, and the resolve, and the rejoicing in working for the word taking the gospel and spreading the gospel is the work of the church. Amen. Amen. And so Paul knew how to manage, to handle opposing circumstances. Pastor Venice, all of us must have something within us that problems and people cannot take away from yes. us. All of us must have something within us that will keep us from walking away when we feel like it. Jesus knew that. For he says to the Father, Father, don't take them out of the world. Leave them in the world. Protect them, but leave them in the world. But we must not confuse protection with deliverance. Amen. Amen. Paul is in prison. But the amazing thing is, the gospel was not in prison. Paul was working for the word. Death is at hand and yet he is concerned about bringing glory to the name of God. He recognized opposition. 
He recognized problems, but yet he would not give authority to the problem. Amen. He maintained an attitude that always contradicted his situation. Paul was working for the word. And yet he discovers in verse 15 through verse 17 that not everybody preaching was preaching from the proper motivation. He said, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. He said, some preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to Paul's chains, but Paul preached out of love. Helps us to understand that it is possible to serve the right God in the wrong way. Amen. There were heralds in Paul's day, but they were not honoring the master. And yet he says they were not false teachers because they preached Christ. The problem was they preached Christ, but they were not doing it for the right reasons. It occurred to me yesterday, Pastor, that like it or not, we have found ourselves in the midst of fostering a spirit of competitiveness with other churches. Uh, we, we act sometimes as though we were the ones um, who had a hold on the truth and others are somewhat less qualified than we are. We are not as excited about reaching the world as we are about doing better than someone else. And yet Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. If we do anything for the Lord, to have our name in the bulletin, to be recognized for what we've done, to have a plaque given to us in honor of our efforts, to have people talk good about us, then we are not serving for the right motives. We need to constantly examine our motives for service. That's why as I look back over this uh, going on 40 years, uh, the most gracious thing that God has allowed to happen to me is that on a number of occasions, I've been to a place called Flunkersville. Amen. As a matter of fact, I think several times it happened right here. 
I've been to Flunkersville, and uh, the irony is, is that I was better having come back from Flunkersville, and so much so now that when it's been so effective that when God uses me, he keeps it a secret. He keeps it a secret. Because he, he realizes how quick I am to begin to congratulate my, myself. Paul spoke of his troubles in verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. He does not try to describe in detail what was going on in his life. He simply says, my circumstances. He does not elaborate or go into a long discussion. He understands that the more problem is talked about, the greater it appears. And because of that, many people have become habitual complainers. From our limited perspective, we can be hindered, discouraged, and distressed, but we need to learn the lesson that God can work all things out to his good and for his glory. Paul was in prison not for something that he had done wrong, but because of what he did right. And what looked bad from the outside really was good for the advancement of the gospel. Here he was, the early church most effective missionary, church planter, soul winner, and church leader, and here he is in prison. But what I like about him, is he would not dwell on his hardship. Though much had happened to him, oh, understand, he had a right to complain. He had a right to complain. He could have talked long and loud about heartbreaking experiences, but he simply calls them my circumstances. And it was his refusal to complain. It was his refusal to always be conversing about what he had been through that inspired others to share the gospel. In other words, his courage dissolved other folks' fear and allowed him to say that he didn't really mind what had happened to him as long as nothing stopped the gospel. Amen. See, Paul lived in a, in a, in a realm called self-forgetfulness. He did not allow his imprisonment to disturb his confidence in God. Since what was going on in his life 
affected his partners in ministry, he did not say anything about the details of his situation. The Paul, Paul situation was an evidence of how powerless a burden can be. He did not, he did not allow his situation to control his mind. Amen. And therefore, it did not control him. He says in verse 12, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Paul teaches us something else, Pastor Venice, and that is that God does not have to take you out of the situation for you to feel better in the situation. Amen. He can leave you right there and yet make you feel better in the situation. Amen. If you notice carefully what Paul is saying here, you see that he was declaring that good came out of his troubles, the hardships, the indignities, the limitations of his imprisonment were not an empty negative tragedy. His situation had contributed to the progress of the gospel. Amen. Uh, now we might have expected the very opposite reaction but Paul explained that his imprisonment had a good effect upon the unsaved folk in Rome. His imprisonment also served to stimulate and reinforce the faith and labors of Christians in Rome. When other Christians saw how Paul conducted himself under pressure, you do know the folk are always watching you. <laughs> under pressure. Amen. Uh, they became motivated when they saw how he witnessed and how ready he was to suffer. And if need be, to die for the faith. They gained fresh confidence and courage and were courageous in sharing the gospel. There was much good that resulted from the unfavorable circumstances surrounding Paul day in Rome. Because his imprisonment gave publicity to the cause for which he was imprisoned. I'm beginning to wonder, is it possible or how possible is it for us to be effective as a preacher? without some pain. I, 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 I'm beginning to wonder, uh, after, this, after all these years, it, it seems that Paul was right, that God's strength is not given to you in bulk. It, it, it's, not, it's not like manna that falls every day. Paul says, God's strength comes in our weakness, in our weakness. 
when we don't know what to do, don't know how to do it, don't know when, all we can do is just trust and lean on the Lord. Amen. Amen. So we need to understand that these results of Paul's imprisonment did not happen automatically. His suffering served to advance the gospel only because of something in the character and the attitude of Paul. See, he was hurting. <laughs> Glory to God. But the people couldn't tell he was hurting. Lord have mercy. He was bothered, but they couldn't detect the fact that he was bothered. He was going through something, but the people couldn't tell he was going through something. For if they judge by his tenacity, and if they judge by his fervor, and if they judge by his fire, he was always on top of the situation. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Paul, Paul, Paul knew that God could be trusted and that he could turn even bad things to good. So he took a positive attitude toward it. Amen. Amen. The Philippians were waiting on Paul to show discouragement. But Paul saw them as God's method of planting some seeds of the gospel in some new soil. Amen. He not only made the best of a bad situation, he made the most of a bad situation. He had a thing called joy in sorrow. I like it, I like it, I like it. He, he did not have joy because of the absence of sorrow. But what he had was joy in sorrow. Amen. Joy in spite of sorrow. Joy overcoming sorrow. Amen. Amen. And so Paul says that our opinion of things depends upon the angle from which we look at them. Amen. He says the problem with us is, is that often what we see is tampered by our opinion because we're looking at it from the wrong angle. Amen. We want to interpret God's providence by looking at it from the fragments of life. I, I discovered that we have, we have a 12-inch screen, but God's got... A big screen. God's got a big screen. He, we, we see now. He, he sees after a while. And it, it helped me to understand that my, my, my tomorrow is his right now. And so he understands completely what I'm going through. Amen. 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 So we have to learn to look at it from God's perspective. 
Now, Paul could have allowed his religion to become selfish, self-centered, self-motivated, when all he was concerned about was his own comfort and prosperity. But Paul realized that that is to misuse your religion. He allowed his religion to use him, but he would not allow himself, even in bad situations, to become selfish. Amen. Self-concerned. Even while going through hardships in life. Amen. And you know, sometimes we begin to think that hardship gives us a right to come to church and sit sour and somber but I learned something the more you're going through the louder you ought to holler yeah the more you're going through the louder you ought to holler the heavier the burden the louder you ought to holler amen amen I, I heard a friend of mine use this illustration Heard a friend of mine use this illustration. He said that he loved uh, microwave popcorn. He loved microwave popcorn. But he said he discovered that regardless of how many times he might eat microwave popcorn, that there was always some kernels down in the bottom of the bag that would not or did not pop. And he says that there's some folk in the church. <laughs> there's some folk in the church. He says they could use a good pop. They, they, they could use a good pop. Sometimes folk in the church could use a good scream. Just scream, just scream, just, just holler, just do anything. Amen. 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 For it is our resistance movement. Amen. We cannot allow the devil to think that he's winning. Cannot allow the devil to think that he has the victory. Amen. No, 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 no. We've got to give God glory. We've got to give God praise. When you don't have a dime in your pocket, you've got to give God glory. When all hell broke loose at home, you got to give God glory. When there's trouble on your way, give God glory. Amen. When you feel like it and when you don't feel like it, give God glory. Amen. Make the devil wonder, am I doing any good in his life? Oh, no, no, no. Paul said, Paul says that the worse things were, <laughs> the more determined he was to resist it, to resist it. As a leader of the people, Paul made up his mind that even in prison, he would have a creative, contented attitude. I never will forget the first time I read the end of the book. And I heard Paul say something that made me so jealous. It still affects me. I have learned 
in whatever state I'm in, damn with to be content. I said, no, sir. No, sir. No, sir. No, 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 no. Something's wrong here, Paul. You've gone too far. What do you mean? He said, well, Pharaoh, you got to understand that first I said, I am persuaded. Huh? That neither death nor life. Huh? Things present nor things to come. I am persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Okay? Says, so I know how to be content. I not only know how to have, I know how not to have. Amen. Amen. And so I understand now that Paul had the perfect attitude for every situation that he would face. Amen. And that's what, that's what I yearn for. That's what I yearn for. I wish that I was able, you know, I hear people say this all the time. You know, the Bible says we can do all things through Christ. No, it didn't. No. The Bible says, Paul said, he. He could do all things through Christ. And Paul said, I said that, but don't you say that until you've been through what I've been through and you come to the conclusion that I've come to and you have the relationship that I have with God. And when you got that kind of relationship, you go on and say it, but don't you say it until you're sure that you built your hopes Build all your life around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. That's what it is. They had Paul. They had Paul locked up in prison. And even while they had him locked up in prison, a strange phenomenon began to occur. They got him locked up with Roman soldiers. They have an 18-inch chain on him. Everything he does, the guard has to accompany him. If he's going to use the bathroom, got to take the guard with him. If he's going to bathe, has to take the guard with him. If he's going to eat dinner, he has to take the guard with him. But every time, the guard would change shifts when he got back home. He'd tell his wife, baby, <laughs> I was locked up today with a man named Paul. And he told me about a man named Jesus. And my whole life is different from now. And so while they thought they were imprisoning Paul, Paul waited every morning and said, send him on in here. I got something for him. I'm going to tell him about somebody that can save anybody 
And the Bible says that in Caesar's household, there were Christians. There were Christians. There were Christians. Ah, oh, yeah. Paul was physically chained to a soldier, but spiritually chained to a savior. Amen. It, it, it's like Acts 4 and 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. Amen. He was chained to his convictions. You see, conversion will save you. But conviction will keep it. Sooner or later, you got to leave church. <laughs> Sooner or later, Sunday ends. Sooner or later, you will not be in the presence of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Sooner or later, you got to go to work. You got to go to school. You got to be in the neighborhood. And you're going to need some convictions because the devil is busy. Amen. The devil is busy. He knows what you like. He knows when you like it. And he knows when to bring it. Amen. And that's when you better have some convictions. Amen. You better have some convictions. Oh, yeah. Paul had convictions. I tell people when you come to church... Always get yours to go. Get it to go. Don't, don't, don't use it all up in church, shouting in each other's face. Amen. Get yours. Tell your neighbor, say, get yours to go. Yeah, yeah. You, you, get it to go. Get it to go. You, you got to go around some crazy folk in this world. Get it to go. Get it to go. Get it to go because you're going to need it when you leave here. You're going to need it when you go out that door. You're going to need it. Paul's, Paul's chains didn't hinder him. Let me ask you today. What, what chains? are hindering you. What? What is it? What is it that you chained to? Is it family? Is it job? Is it some relationship? So here's some questions for all of us. Are we working for the word? Do we serve the Lord with the right motives? Do we rejoice that Christ is being preached? Do we live our lives for the glory of God? Do we want to see the Lord Jesus Christ glorified? Amen. Yes, God never asked us to get aboard a sinking ship. 
never leads us down a dead-end street. Never allows anything to come our way that he cannot take care of. God never allows anything to end on a negative. That's why Jesus couldn't stay in that grave. No way, no how. I don't care how many rocks they put in front of it, how many stones they put in front of it. God could not allow it to end on a negative. My brothers and my sisters, you and I are going to have to learn how to shout in the middle of the battle. Amen. We're going to have to learn how to praise God and rejoice even when we find ourselves caught up in struggle. We're going to have to learn how to envision the power of God. Anticipating the wonderful things God has coming our way. That great preacher, Dr. H. Beecher Hicks, said that we've got to learn how to shout over anticipatory blessings. <laughs> yeah. He said, you got to learn how to thank God for the money in your pocket that ain't got there yet. <laughs> yeah. So you got to learn how to thank God for healing when you're still sick. <laughs> so you got to learn how to be thankful for anticipatory blessings. Amen. Thanks be to God for the victory, the power of anticipating the good thing that God is going to do. Finally, let me share this little story with you. The story is told, Pastor Ventus, of a husband and wife in a rural community that felt the call to be missionaries. One Wednesday night in prayer meeting, they announced that they were going to leave the community and head to Africa. They were going to a community known as white man killer. But they felt the call of God to go anyway. But they said to all of the people at the prayer meeting, said, now what we need you to do, we want you to promise us that while we go to Africa, you will pray for us. In other words, we want you to hold the ropes while we go on our missionary journey. Well, the story says a few days later, they left and went to Africa. In less than two years, the wife and a baby born in Africa had died of a fever. The husband caught the fever and decided to go back home. When he went home and arrived 
Fortunately, it was Wednesday night. And prayer meeting was going on. He slipped in the back of the church, took a seat on the back bench, and listened carefully to all the prayers being offered. When the meeting came to a close, he got up and went down in the front. And the people were shocked to see him. But they saw death on his face. He said to them, he said, well, I've been here the whole time. But I'm disappointed by one thing. You promised me that you was going to pray for your missionary. But while I listen to your prayers, you pray for your house. You pray for your children. You pray for your job. But you didn't mention your missionary. He said, now I know why I failed. Now I know why my mission was not successful. While I was laboring, you dropped the ropes. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, I'm a little bit sick of hearing complaints against pastors and preachers. I'm a little bit tired of hearing folk complaining about what preachers ain't doing. Uh-huh. Yes. I'm just a little sick of hearing all the bad talk, the negative talk about the preacher. Uh, but I believe if the church would just get busy holding the ropes, there wouldn't be so many failing preachers. There wouldn't be so many weak preachers. There wouldn't be so many preachers falling. I had a young man come to me and was complaining about his preacher. Said, well, uh, he did this and he didn't do this and he did that. I asked him, I said, hold it, hold it, hold it. Did you pray for him? Said, no, 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 I, I can't say that I prayed for him. I said, if you didn't pray for him, you ain't got a right to talk about it. Uh, if you didn't hold him up, don't put him down. Somebody, you say you love this man. You say you believe in him. You say you follow him. Then here's what I want to tell you. Don't worry about an anniversary once a year. Don't worry about a box with some money in it. If you really love him, if you really care for him, I tell you what you do. Hold him. Hold him. Every day. Every hour. Hold him. Keep him. Love on him. Pray for him.
after him because he knows if he can get him he can get you missionary saying I know now why my mission failed I was depending on you Hold the ropes. And you let him drop. May he never get beyond the reach of your compassionate prayers. Whether you know it or not, a dedicated pastor is an endangered species today. Amen. May God give us the right attitude at the worst of times. May we make the devil wonder. <laughs> Am I having any success with this guy? Seems like the more I bother him, the harder he preach. Amen. God bless you. I love you, man.